Locked On Bruins, your daily podcast on the Boston Bruins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, my friends, and welcome to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ian McLaren, and I am your host, and this is a daily Boston Bruins podcast where we discuss all things spoke to be, as well as take a look around the NHL. Thank you so much for taking some time to download and listen to the podcast today. Chances are you've come through either Apple, Spotify, Stitcher perhaps, Google, Pocket Casts is what I use for my Android phone. If you have not already, please subscribe and each new episode will be automatically uploaded to your feed for you to download, listen, and enjoy. If you could also rate and review, particularly Apple listeners, that would be greatly appreciated as it really does do a lot to help grow the show. For those of you who may be tuning in for the first time, like I said, my name is Ian. I'm a former NHL and hockey news editor at The Score, which is a uh, wildly popular mobile sports app based up here in Toronto. I live about uh, an hour west of Toronto in Guelph, Ontario, home of the Ontario Hockey League's Storm, uh, also home to former Bruin and Stanley Cup champion Rich Peverly. Um, I've also yeah, been writing about hockey for upwards of 10 years now for various outlets, including SB Nation and uh, Boston's very own Cup of Chowder, Second City Hockey, Fear the Fin, most recently covering junior hockey over there for them. Now, today on the podcast, I thought I'd take a look at uh, an article that was published in The Athletic this morning by Fluto Shinzawa, and he outlined his Boston Bruins trade tiers, uh, meaning players broken up into six categories of calls that general manager Don Sweeney uh, should be either making or accepting, and the response therein for the general manager in regards to the Boston Bruins on the trade market this offseason. We'll also take a look at some news and notes from around the NHL and have a great time doing it. First of all, I don't know about you, but I'm still riding high off the Emmys last night. Schitt's Creek is one of my favorite shows, and it made history by sweeping the comedy awards. Um, I think it won like nine awards. Dan Levy won Best uh, Supporting Actor, Best Directing, Best Writing. Uh, it basically, yeah, set records for most awards won. And he is only the second person to win all those awards, first to do it in the same year. Uh, Shit's Creek, like I said, one of my favorite shows. If you haven't seen it before, I highly recommend it. Its greatness really becomes evident kind of beginning in Season 3 and onwards. But Catherine O'Hara, uh, Eugene Levy, Dan Levy... Annie Murphy are amazing throughout, and I really, really uh, recommend it. I'm also a big Succession fan and was glad to see that it won Best Drama, even though it makes me laugh out loud several times per episode. Jeremy Strong winning as well. I was really happy to see. And also Watchmen, which uh, was an important uh, watch as well. So that was a nice distraction while there was no hockey on. Game 2 of the Stanley Cup Final goes tonight here on Monday, September 21st, 2020. And I'm um, excited to watch that and see if the Stars can expand their series lead over the Tampa Bay Lightning. But like I said, let's look at 
Fluid Ocean Zawa's uh, Bruins trade tiers, who's movable and who's untouchable entering the offseason. It was published uh, here this morning, just a few hours ago, and he breaks the players down into six tiers, beginning with uh, Don't Bother Calling, and he puts Brad Marchand, Charlie McAvoy, and David Pasternak in that category. Don't bother calling. There's no way the Bruins are going to be trading Marchand, even though he's getting up there in years, 32 years old, perhaps past his peak, but still one of the best all-around left-wingers in the NHL and uh, just a very important player for this team. Obviously, Charlie McAvoy is the Bruins' number one defenseman at only... 22 years old, and he's only getting better. So, yeah, no way that he's going anywhere. David Pasternak, same thing. Uh, League's leading goal scorer this season, tied with Alex Ovechkin on a ridiculous contract, and he is not going anywhere. Next tier, Shinzawa has make it fast, but he's hanging up soon if he's Don Sweeney, and he puts... Uh, center John Beecher in that category, as well as center slash winger Jack Stadnika and goaltender Jeremy Swayman. Stadnika is the only player to have uh, cracked the NHL roster to this point, but these three players are seen as, uh, I guess, the future of the team. Uh, Jeremy Swayman, of course, Hobie Baker winning goaltender, and uh, just a highly touted prospect in net who could very well be the next uh, Bruins starter uh, once Tuka Rask and Yaroslav Halak have moved on. Sanika, we all know what he's capable of, and I believe the ceiling is very high on him. And John Beecher, 30th overall pick in 2019, scored 16 points as a Michigan freshman. Likely, Shinzawa writes that he won't be a Bruin until 2022. But he's a large and fast center, maybe even a top two NHL pivot. And by then, Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci could both be moving on. In the third tier, Shinzawa describes it as, I'll listen, but I'm not really listening. And that's where he puts Patrice Bergeron, who at 35 years old, a lot of miles, history of groin problems, probably on the downswing of his career at this point, but Let's be honest, if someone calls and wants to trade for Patrice Bergeron, it's highly unlikely that the trigger would be pulled on that. He should be a career Bruin. If Zdeno Char is not back next season, he will be the captain. And uh, just, you know, as set in the Bruins lineup as any player should be at this point, despite his age and injury issues. Shinzawa also lists Charlie Coyle in the I'll listen but not really listening category. Uh, he signed with the Bruins long term at $5.25 million annually. He's going to be a top six center for this team following in the footsteps of Bergeron and Krejci and uh, he is yeah highly thought of within the organization from without the organization for his skills, both on and off the ice. And he is everything that the Bruins want him to be right now. I don't see them being tempted to trade him at all. And then Shinzawa puts 
Bruins two goalies in there as well. Of Halak, he writes, the 35-year-old is not a number one goalie, but he has a history of being a reliable high-volume backup. Every team needs one of those, especially with no proven NHL help pushing from below. I would say if the Bruins are out of contention or it doesn't look like they're going to push for the cup next year, perhaps they look to flip him at the deadline for a pick uh, since he's on a one-year deal. Uh, But that's extremely unlikely as the Bruins will need both goaltenders heading into the playoffs in 2021 in order to maximize their chances at winning the Stanley Cup. Now, of Tukarask, a bit of uh, unfortunate wording here in this article. Shinzawa writes, The ace pulled the plug at the worst possible time. That is a very poor way of saying that Rask prioritized family over hockey. We all know now that Tukarask left the bubble in order to attend to a family emergency involving one of his daughters. And so to say he just pulled the plug and quit or whatever is not, not appropriate. Um, he does write Rask, however, is still an elite goalie up for the Vesna trophy, which will be awarded tonight. It would be impossible for the Bruins to receive equal value in return. And according to his agent, Marcus Leto, the 33 year old has not considered retiring a year early. Rask should have one more good black and gold season on his books. Again, to say he pulled the plug at the worst possible time is not a great look, uh, considering he left the bubble to attend to a medical emergency involving one of his young daughters. It's not pulling the plug. It's just doing the right thing and being there for his family in a tough time. Sure, it set the Bruins back. And it would have been nice to have him in net against the Tampa Bay Lightning to give the team its best possible shot. But ultimately, that is more important than hockey. And I don't really like the uh, the wording of that. At any rate, those would be the players least likely to be traded by the Bruins at any point this offseason. Again, that's Martian, McAvoy, Pasternak, Beecher, Stanika, Swayman, Bergeron, Coyle, Halak, and Rask, and now is where we get into players more likely to be traded at some point in the near or not-so-distant future. So who then are players that could be traded this offseason? Well, under the Let's Talk Business section, we have winger Anders Bjork. Shinzawa writes, it only takes one GM to see top six potential in his speed, acceleration, agility, and shot. He's under contract for the next three seasons at a reasonable $1.6 million. But whether anybody views Bjork as anything but a third-line player remains to be seen. I don't really think I'm in that category. And, you know, $1.6 million for a third-liner is pretty reasonable for a guy who can play pretty solidly at both ends of the ice. Um and hopefully the Bruins can get great value out of that deal um, instead of perhaps cutting ties too early and seeing him blossom with another team. Next we have Anton Bleed. Sure, either way, I'm not really too concerned about him. Connor Clifton, a lot to like about him, but yeah, if someone wants to trade good value for him, I, I wouldn't say no. Trent Frederick, 
is in there as well. He was the number 29 pick from the 2016 draft. 22-year-old center, a big one with, you know, physicality that the Bruins love. He projects to be perhaps a number three NHL center, uh, but the Bruins need more pop up front if it is written. Uh, I could see a scenario where, yeah, he's a, a very effective third line center for this team. Probably not going to contribute much offensively, but uh, the Bruins selected him for a reason, and I think they want to see him in the NHL lineup before they make any decisions on him. Then we have Stephen Kampfer, sure. Cal Kieser, an undrafted free agent, has a lost first pro season because of a concussion. He's now behind Jeremy Swayman and Dan Vladder on the depth chart. Still a very highly touted prospect. If he can get healthy, I think it's worth seeing what he can do in Providence. Carson Kuhlman's an RFA. It's easier to classify him as an offensively muted number three right wing or a good number four right wing. Shinzawa writes, if someone wants to take his rights off the Bruins, that's fine. I don't know where he fits in at this point. Then we have Jacob Lauko, Jeremy Lozon, Zach Sinishin, Oscar Steen, Yerha Vakanainen, Dan Vlader, Jacobs Borrell. These are all guys who are kind of on the cusp of making the Bruins roster or on the brink of being labeled as you know, career AHLers, not quite ready for the NHL or maybe even lost picks uh, along the way. So a lot of these guys really have to show the Bruins what they have in them. Zboril, Sinitian, I think should be um, given an opportunity to crack the Bruins roster in training camp. And you know, prove that those first round picks in 2015 weren't a complete waste. Jacob Lauko, I think you want to see what's there. Jeremy Lozon, he's shown that he can play at the NHL level. He's only at 850 grand, so you probably want to keep him around. Oscar Steen uh, could be a bottom six NHL player. Not quite sure what he has there. Probably some more seasoning in Providence. Yerho Vakaninen could be a top four NHL defenseman. First rounder from 2017. Um, if other teams see promise and the Bruins don't see a spot opening up for him, then yeah, see what's offered. But I wouldn't be rushing to trade him either. Now, guys who are a bit older that fall in this category, who we could definitely talk business, would be John Moore. He has three years remaining at 200, 200, I wish, 2.75 million annually. Uh, the return would not be high, but it would be more of a, a dump there to free up some cap space. Chris Wagner also fits in this section, according to, to Fluto. The heavy hitter is a good teammate and is softer than expected hands make Wagner a coach's go-to on the fourth line. It's easy to replace those players' skill sets than those of forwards higher up in the lineup. I really think the Bruins do love Wagner, local boy, uh, and I don't think they'd be rushing to trade him. Uh, and there is some uncertainty over his health considering uh, he had that heart issue in the postseason. One other note on Sinitian and Zboril, they would both need waivers in order to report to Providence again. So if the Bruins do keep them up and don't trade them, 
put them on waivers, they risk losing them for nothing. So that could be an impetus to seek a trade. But again, the, the value in return will be quite low and you're better off seeing what you have in those players. Now, under the all ears, if you've got a serious hockey deal section, we have these five players, beginning with Brandon Carlo. The right shot defenseman projects to be the Bruins' long-term defensive strongman, first in line for penalty kill and end-game lead protection. His offense does not look like it will progress significantly, which is fine. As such, if a GM with a greater supply of left-shot defensemen, preferably with offensive touch, want to shut down presence, Carlo would draw interest. The only problem there is that you'll have to replace uh, Brandon Carlo, and that would be very difficult as well to find that kind of shutdown defenseman. He's going to fall into kind of the role that Zdeno Chara has held for some time, and those guys don't come easily. So I don't have much of an appetite to trade Brandon Carlo. I think I mentioned last week, perhaps you trade Carlo if you're able to acquire a top defenseman like a Matt Dumba, for example, um, and then trade Carlo from that position of strength. But until you have that replacement, I think you need to keep those top end defensemen around. Matt Grizzlick is in this section as well. Grizzlick is due for more responsibility following free agent to be Tory Krug's likely departure. If fellow free agent to be Zdeno Chara doesn't return, he could be, that would be Grizzlick, McAvoy's full time partner. Size, however, will always be an issue, so if the Bruins can secure a bigger defenseman or top six help up front, it might make sense to put Grizzlick in play. I, I don't see that either. I would really be reluctant to trade Grizzlick, even if he's not big enough to play. Um, at the kind of top pair with McAvoy, he'd be a perfect complement to Brandon Carlo, like we've seen Tori Krug fill out uh, recently. So I don't really see that happening. Next, we have Andre Kasha, 24-year-old, brought in to fill the perpetually vacant number two right wing spot. It's possible he fills it in with proper offseason and training camp. He is an RFA. And he was acquired from the Ducks as a kind of bonus to the dump of David Backus. I'd be very reticent to trade him at this point. Give him at least a full season to see what you have with him. Nick Ritchie, the Bruins would be selling low on the left wing. He had a disastrous postseason with the Bruins. Still only 24. Some in tight touch and heaviness on the puck. Again, I think... It's worth giving him a shot at a full training camp in the beginning of a new season with the Bruins to see what they have in him. You traded Danton Heinen. Might as well try to get the most out of Nick Ritchie. Again, unless someone comes in with a strong offer, which I really don't see happening. The big question mark here is Jake DeBrusque. Teams are not quick to get rid of potential 40-goal scores. I, I don't know. That... That seems a bit generous at this point for DeBrusque. I'd like to see him get a 30-goal season under his belt first before we tout him as a 40-goal scorer. If they are unlikely to come to a contract resolution with DeBrusque, whose agent is going to be pushing for a deal along the 6 to $6.5 million range, um, 
then you look to trade him, I think. Shinzawa writes, it would have to be for a left-shot defenseman of a similar age and upside. So you'd be looking to bring someone in to replace Krug. Um, again, I would not be completely shocked if Jake DeBrusque is traded at some point. And I think he is likely the most movable player on the Bruins and the player for whom you would get the best return. Now, as a bit of an epilogue, we have final section, callback near the deadline. David Krejci's in that situation. Number two center, entering the last season of his contract. If the Bruins don't consider themselves serious contenders for next year's playoffs, another contender could find value in his experience and postseason pedigree. I don't think uh, may find value is appropriate. It would definitely find value. The Bruins could get a second-round pick by making Krejci a rental. I'd say they could even get a first-round pick considering the likes of Barkley Goodrow fetched that return uh, this year. Sean Corrali could be in relatively high demand as well as Par Lindholm for uh, rounding out the depth for contending teams. Um, so those are the tiers that Shinzawa kind of presents. Let me know what you think. You can hit me up at ENC McLaren at LO underscore Boston Bruins. I think at the end of the day, Brandon Carlo, Jake DeBrusque are the most likely to be traded in order to fetch a high return and to make the most impact both on and off the ice as kind of a shakeup for the current group and improving the roster as well if you can get the best possible returns. Um, so yeah, let me know what you think. Hit me up on Twitter at ENC McLaren or at LO underscore Boston Bruins. Before we move on, let's talk for a moment about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. Built Bars come in 18 amazing flavors, including six new ones like caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisp. Each bar is covered in 100% chocolate and soft and easy to chew. They're great for the health conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and great if you're on the keto diet. Right now, Locked On listeners can get $10 off your next order by using promo code LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com. That's BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your next order of Built Bars. Let's finish with some news and notes from around the NHL. And Lightning head coach John Cooper says Steven Stamkos is inching closer to returning to action in the Stanley Cup final. Doesn't expect him to play in Game 2. He's been sidelined since July with a core muscle issue. Could be back for Game 3. Uh, it'd be nice to see him in the lineup for the Lightning as they try to get that Stanley Cup that has eluded them for a few years now. In Detroit, goaltender Jimmy Howard says he wants to continue playing but it acknowledged it probably won't be with the rebuilding of Red Wings. He's an unrestricted free agent, 36. Not uh, really great last season, so I'd be curious to see if any other teams will be interested in him. Uh, one note in regards to potential trade targets for the Bruins, Philly.com Sam Carcidi believes the Flyers will try to move defenseman Shane Gossesbear. He signed through 2022-23, does not have a no-trade clause and carries an 
average annual valuation of only $4.5 million. You know, he really burst onto the scene a couple years ago, but has fallen off with the Flyers in recent months and could be a good buy low candidate for the Bruins as a potential replacement for Tory Krug. Similar offensive styles and could be revitalized with the Bruins and come much cheaper than what Tory Krug will command on the open market. If you have, um, you know, Grizzlick and Gostaspare on the left side with McAvoy and Carlo, that's not a bad top four. Even if one of them drops to the bottom pairing, then um, yeah, bring in perhaps another top four left-handed defenseman, and you have the makings of a decent, uh, a decent defense core there. I don't know, just spitballing there. Speaking of defensemen, it looks like Alex Pietrangelo will become an unrestricted free agent after not yet being able to come to a contract agreement with the St. Louis Blues. He said, it's disappointing. You spend your whole career somewhere and to have a situation where you go through this, the reality kind of hits that there's a chance you're going to be wearing a different jersey one day. A tough pill to swallow when you have your heart somewhere, but again, this isn't a blame game going on either side. Both sides have their opinions, and sometimes things just don't work out. He played the final season of a seven-year, $45.5 million contract, $6.5 million AAV. And seeing as the salary cap will remain at $81.5 million, uh, the Blues, I guess, are reluctant to pay him what he thinks he could get on the open market. I don't see the Bruins really being in on him, as he will be quite expensive. Um, but you know, if Krug, Chara and say Carlo come off the books, perhaps he could be looked at as, uh, someone to compliment McAvoy as a top defender. Bruins, of course, did sign David Backus, who was captain of the St. Louis Blues, although it's a bit of a different situation here. Finally, Gary Bettman anticipates playing a full 82 game season in 2020, 2021, how and when they do that is something they don't have enough information to make an announcement or decisions on yet because of COVID-19. Anything would be just pure speculation at this point. Their goal is to get back to as great a sense of normalcy as possible under whatever circumstances are presented. They had initially targeted a December 1st start date, but it looks like that will be pushed back till probably January. And fitting in 82 games and a full playoff beginning in January would result in a similar situation to what we have now, which is the Stanley Cup being awarded in uh, September, maybe even October. So we could see like a pretty dramatic shift in when hockey is played, when the cup is handed out, and it could take some time for that to kind of revert back. Yep, Bettman said his preference would be to stay out of summer as much as possible. Well, that's just not going to happen with 82 games playoffs starting in January. Fans typically like watching us through the fall, winter, and into the spring. It's always been a goal to be done by the end of June. Playing in late July, August, and September was important to do now, but if we can avoid it, he said we will. Premature to have an answer as to how that's going to happen. Still so much we don't know. The border remains closed between Canada and the U.S. COVID-19 cases continue to grow, even up here in Canada right now. And 
um, yeah, there's just so much uncertainty at this point in terms of whether fans can be in the stands. There's talk of kind of starting the season without and then gradually moving into having stands, social distance stands, fans in the stands, socially distanced. Uh, but all that to say, there's quite a lot up in the air still for next season, when it's going to happen and how it's going to happen and all that kind of stuff. Anyways, that's it for today's episode of the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out. Please subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, we'll be putting up a show, you know, every Monday to Friday for the foreseeable future while while the season is on at least and through the draft and into free agency. Um, so yeah, join along the ride and uh, join this community of Boston Bruins fans that we have set up here uh, through Locked On Boston Bruins, your favorite team every single day. Take care of yourselves, friends. Hope you have a great Monday, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Later.